guys. I'm reading Psalm 22 from the Amplified Bible. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, uh, Psalm 22, verse 22 to the end, okay? Um, and it says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Yet the fear the Lord praise him. All ye that see Jacob of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye that seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor adorned the afflicted or the affliction. Neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard him. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before them. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We ask that it would take root, God, that it would grow in us, that it would find a home in us, Lord God. Change us from the inside out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. I'd like to start with a quote. Here's, here's the first quote for today. Although the world is full of suffering, it is full also of the overcoming of it. Come on, you got to get that one. I'm blessing myself. Here's another one I want you to remember. You might not understand it to the end. It isn't the load that weighs you down, it's the way you carry it. I've been reading this book by John Ortberg, Faith and Doubt. Man, I brought it up just so you could get a picture of it, so you can order it, get it, I recommend it. It's amazing. He talks about how the two exist together, faith and doubt. Family, I, 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 I'll tell you, I haven't heard this preached in my life growing up. I've never heard that message preached. And so it has done damage to me. Because every time that I doubt, and every time that I struggle with question and doubt and fear, I always thought of myself as less holy, as less of a Christian than everybody else. And so the lack of that message has done damage to the body of Christ. So I want to relieve you today and tell you that faith and doubt live together and have a purpose. Amen? Are you intrigued? See, as believers, we get hit from every side. Somebody say amen. 
the media, our friends, our family, uh, for some of you, your husbands, your wives, people at work, people in the street, in the train, people knocking on your door, uh, on your favorite show. We get hit with all over with questions and doubts, and, and if that wasn't bad enough, we have our own doubts, right? And our own fears and our own insecurities, and we, we struggle at times to believe, and we struggle just to stand strong, right? Just me, or, or am I talking to anybody here today? Good, good. Two of us, that's all right. The rest of you hang on. So we, you know, we struggle to stand strong and to make sense of all the experiences that we have to experience and of, you know, everything that we, that we see. And the question is always before us, if God is love, why is there so much hate in the world? If God is this, why that? If, 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 God, is, if God can do everything, why didn't he stop that? If God is everywhere and God could do anything He wants, why did He allow that? Does anybody wrestle with those questions? Anybody stayed up at night crying about things like this sometimes? God, why did you allow that? Why doesn't God answer my prayers sometimes? Why doesn't God, why does God allow certain things to happen? It's the wrestling of our, of our faith. And, and it's a great picture of what was going on at the early church in Corinth and a lot of what's going on at the early church in the Bronx. Amen? So I want to talk to you today about these struggles. I want to leave you today with the living picture of God's compassion, His mercies, His grace, and His love in a message titled, Get a Grip. Get a grip. Tell somebody, get a grip. Be sarcastic about it. Go ahead. Tell them, get a grip. Church, this, this first chapter in, in, in 2 Corinthians that we're starting, amen? We finished 1 Corinthians. We're moving on to 2. Thank you for being so excited about that. I, I believe, listen, this first chapter, I believe, is going to answer some questions that we have been wrestling with for years. And if nothing else, my prayer today, the purpose today, my prayer is that this could at least bring some purpose to your pain. I'll leave it there. Before we jump into that, I'd like to start with a little story that we've probably all read about. It's in, it's in most of the Gospels. We find it in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. If you want to go there and check and make sure I'm not making it up. Let me tell you what's happening there. It's a tiny little story. We've heard it. I'm sure we've all read it. I'm sure you've heard it preached for a lot of different reasons. But I, I don't want to preach it for any reason. I just want to preach it for what it is. I want you to hear the story. In, in, in Mark 9... Some of the disciples had gone up to the mountain to be with Jesus, and some had stayed behind. And when those that had gone to be with Jesus, when they came down with Jesus, they noticed this large crowd gathered. And, and there was all this commotion. And Jesus asked, what's all the commotion? What's going on here? There's this large crowd gathered. There's a lot of, you know, like a big thing going on. You know, and like in Trometheus, like we are, sometimes we go, you know, we see, instead of going the other way, we go right toward the crowd. And we're like, what's, what's going on here? Like, mind your business. You're not even from this block. You're like, why are you, right? But, but you know, that's the, the tendency. We see a big, big commotion and we want to, I'm not saying Jesus was like that, but Jesus comes down from the mountain and this big commotion was there. And he says, what's all the commotion about? And out of the crowd, a dad cries out to Jesus and he tells him the story. 
The dad tells him, Jesus, I brought my son because I heard that you was here. He said, I heard that you were here, Jesus, and I brought my son with me. Because you see, my son has a, a foul spirit. He's tormented by a demonic spirit that makes him mute and throws him around violently. And sometimes it throws him into the fire. Sometimes it throws him into the water to try to finish him completely. This has been happening to my son since, since he was a child. Can, can you start to imagine what this father's feeling? He brought, he said, I brought him here. You know, we can assume, the story doesn't tell us all of this, but we can easily assume some things about this dad and about this situation. We can assume that he, if he's bringing him now because he heard Jesus was there, he probably brought him to every rabbi that he ever heard was coming to town. Right? Because if you were desperate, wouldn't you try to get any help that you can for your son? Right, parents? You would try to get any help that you can. So we can assume that if he's doing it now, he's probably done it before. He's brought this, this child to, to rabbis and he said, please pray for my son, man. My son is, is demonically oppressed. We, we see those movies today, right? Uh, paranormal and all those things. And we think, oh, oh that's, that's um, Hollywood and that's all fun and games. No, that's, that's real life. Here is a kid. Here is a, a young person that's been tormented. All of his life, since he was a child, he's been tormented. The spirit takes over him, throws him to the floor, throws him into the fire, throws him into water, tries to eliminate him at all times, tries to wipe him out, right? And so, so the father has come to these, to these rabbis, and, and people probably have prayed, and nothing's happened. Anybody been there? People, he's probably brought them to every synagogue, to every holy man, anybody that, that said that they had a connection with God, he probably brought his son to, they probably prayed, and nothing's happened. And, and so he says, imagine the desperation in this man's heart, as well as the disappointment and the discouragement that he must be feeling right now. Because he tells Jesus, I heard that you were here, but I brought them to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. So imagine the, the discouragement and, and what he's feeling right now. He, 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 says, he tells Jesus, the commotion that you're seeing here is the enemy putting on a show with my son and with my faith. Anybody ever struggled, man, when you see some part of your family, your, somebody that you love, and you know that the enemy's putting on a show with them? They're in their rebellion, they're making decisions, they're doing things that, 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 you know, that are no good for them. They're, they've gotten themselves into places where they shouldn't be, and, and you know the commotion in, in your life right now is because the enemy is, is making a show with your son, and making a show with your faith. And that's what he tells Jesus. He says, the enemy's putting on a show with my son, with my faith. That's what this whole commotion is, and nobody could do anything about it. But he says, but if you can do something, please, he tells Jesus, if you can do something, please, I, I, I want this to stop. I want my, my, he says that he has a spirit that makes him mute and throws him violently. That means his son has never spoken. Son can't speak. He doesn't have a voice. 
He says, please, if you can do something, Jesus, please. And Jesus says, if, <laughs> if, see, when you throw an if statement to God, God will throw an if statement back at you. Jesus said, if anything is possible for those who believe, he said, if I can do something, how about anything is possible if you believe? And so immediately the dad cried out, I love this, he cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. An old commentary gives words, the, words it this way. He says, this is what the father's feeling, it is useless concealing from thee the unbelief that still struggles in, my, in this heart of mine, but that heart bears me witness that I do believe in thee, and if distrust still remains, I disown it, I wrestle with it, and I seek help against it. See, here's what I'm, what I'm stressing today. How does God respond to this man who tells him, I believe, but I have doubts. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I fear. I pray and I waver. I ask and I worry. I believe, help my unbelief. And, and, and what happens, right? We, we would think, you know, Jesus could have said, Sorry, bro. You're on your own. Unless you believe in me fully, unless you, unless you got no doubts in you, unless you are totally sure, unless you totally know that I can do this, unless you told, he could have, right, went on and on. What does Jesus do? He goes right to the boy. He hears this man struggling. He says, I believe, but I doubt. I, I pray, but I worry. And he goes right to the boy and he says, foul spirit in Jesus' name, come out. I added the Jesus' name part because he's Jesus. He don't have to say that. Right? He says, come out from him and never enter him again. And it says the spirit threw him violently to the floor and, and shook him one last time. And that he was pale and he looked pale as a corpse, the word says. And everybody started talking about he's dead. He's dead. And so it was the enemy's final attempt. He said, I'm going to kill this guy before I leave. Before this Jesus casts me out. Because this Jesus can get me out of here. This Jesus I have to listen to. This is not like the other people. This guy I have to listen to. He said, I'm going to try to kill him before I leave. And he throws him to the ground, shakes him. People say, he's dead. Jesus says, this boy's not dead. And he reaches down and he lifts him up. And he said, this boy's alive. He says, this boy... Is going to live. And listen, although, think about this for a moment. Although the father and this son, they've suffered with this affliction, we don't know how long. It doesn't clearly tell us how long. But when Jesus says, how long has this been going on to the boy? The father says, since he was a child. So that leads us to believe there's been some years. Amen? There's been some years that he's struggled with this. And so although... The father and the son, they've suffered with this affliction for such a long time. They've battled these issues for such a long time. And for a long time, the father doubted, man, that anything would ever change. The boy today was given his body back. He was given his voice back. And Jesus delivered him today. And this affliction and this time of suffering for, for today, it has passed. You, you got to grab this. So what will be remembered from this day forward 
was the day that Jesus met him and the day that God brought comfort to him. You know how when you're in the middle of something, that's all you can think about? And you think, man, I'm never going to get through this. Anybody been there? I'm never, I don't see a way out of this, man. I don't see how I can get out of this. But there comes a time when God will comfort you. God will meet you. And you can stand again. And you can walk again. And what you remember from that time forward is God met me there. And God delivered me from that. Come on, somebody get excited. The, the, the word says, you know, when, when you, you're at that place where how can, I ever, how can I ever have peace again? But the word says that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ. Amen? Where, where we can stand again, right? Fast forward, 2 Corinthians. Paul has been talking, telling these Jesus stories everywhere he goes. These Jesus stories that he's telling, stories like this of, of testimonies, of, of things that, the, that Jesus has done in his life and in the lives of others. He's telling them everywhere he goes. And everywhere he goes, he's persecuted for the stories that he's telling. And so he's beaten. He's got, they've, they've, many times if you read through the word, you, you find how many times Paul has been thrown in prison. He's been beaten. He's been left for dead. He was stoned one time and let, not stoned, you know, he was stoned. They stoned, they threw rocks at him. You got to watch your context. You know, if you're in the Bronx, you say he was stoned, word? No, they stoned him. They, they threw rocks at him to kill him. And then, and they said he was left for dead. That means they stopped throwing rocks when he stopped moving. Right? He was dead. That means they thought, all right, he's dead. And so he's been left for dead. He's been thrown in prisons. And, and, you know, prisons back then, I don't know what you're thinking, but they're not getting college degrees and they're not getting three square meals or nothing like that. You're talking about a cave with a rock someplace, and if they remember to feed you, they'll feed you. And you can imagine only what the conditions were, right? So he's been, and, and listen, it's one thing, you know, when we, when we get through our suffering and we get through our, but, but we know that we did it. Come on, we're in the Bronx. We could be real, right? You know, we're, we're in a mess, but we know it's our fault, man. I got myself here. I was doing stupid things I shouldn't be doing, you know. But, but there's another thing when you're suffering something that's not your fault. Right? Those are the, those, that's where we really struggle, right? When, when, we're, when we're saying, God, come on, I'm going to church. I'm trying to get my family on Sunday. I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. Why? And, and we suffer for, for the things that are not our fault. We suffer for things that, that we feel like we don't deserve, you know? So, so Paul has been suffering, man. He's endured some incredible suffering. He's been jailed. He's been beaten. There have been contracts out on his life. You know that people fasted? People say, I, I'm going to fast. I'm, I'm not going to eat until he's dead. He, I mean, contracts. These are mob hits in the Word. Uh, it's crazy, but it's all in the Word. So death threats, murderous plots against him. And, and where he's writing this letter from now in Macedonia, he's under some serious persecution. But listen to what he says. Second Corinthians, he writes this letter to the church at Corinth because no matter what he's going through, his heart is always just thinking about the church that he planned. How are my church people doing? How's my fam doing over at Corinth? Are they listening, man? Are, are, they, are they following God? Are they doing the right thing? Is God, is God with them and blessing them? Are they, are they walking in that? That's his heart. No matter what they're doing to him. Look at what he says. Second Corinthians 
Chapter 1, verse 3, I'll start there. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Watch this. Who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted by. Paul, Paul uses word, weird word stuff, right? He says, but bless them so that, you know, so that we can comfort those that, with the comfort that we received when we were comforted with the comfort of God. So, so Paul is suffering all these types of afflictions, but he says, the God of comfort is comforting me. The message puts it this way, verse 4. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Verse 5. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah. But no, but no more so than the good times of His healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. Verse 8, it was so bad. He said, I don't want you to think lightly of what we're going through. He writes, it was so bad that we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row and that it was all over for us. But as it turned out, it was the best thing that could happen to us because instead of trusting in our own strengths, strengths or our wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. He says, not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. Two major things Paul just dropped on us on the church at Corinth and at the, on the church here at the sanctuary. He says, one, as believers, we're going to suffer. I didn't expect a lot of amens, but man, you could fake it at least. As believers, we're going to have adversity. As believers, there will be pain. Well, let's flip that for a minute, because even as non-believers, before you guys were believers, everything was good? <laughs> right? So, you know, it's real easy to think, well, you know, oh, the Christian life is so hard. Man, life is hard, period. Life is hard, period. Amen? So there's going to be trial, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be... The difference is, as a believer, there's the comfort of God that the unbeliever doesn't have. Okay, so he says, but... But, you know, as believers, he says, Paul is saying, we're going to suffer. But here's the twist he puts on it. He said, but we should learn from it and use it for other people. We should allow it to refocus us on where our strength comes from. Amen? So here's life principles from, the, from Corinthians so far. We talked about it before. He says, we get so we can give. That's a life principle. If you haven't gotten that yet, go back a couple chapters, you know, go back and read. Go back online and get the last few sermons. Get it until you get back to here. We get so that we can give. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing. Too many of we want to be blessed just so we can be blessed. Right? We, we wish, I want to be blessed so I can put a Christian little sticker on my Lexus. No, we bless so that we can be a blessing. We get so that we can give, and now he adds, we're afflicted so that we can comfort. Oh, come on, we're building serious now. 
Paul is saying, and, and some, some of you need to hear this twice, it's not about you. Troubles are not there to bother us, but to better us. Tweet it, baby. That's good stuff. The same, the very same adversity can make one bitter and another better. I know that's right. See, when we get this, then no sorrow is wasted. You gotta, you gotta really grab that. No sorrow, no hard time, no suffering, nothing that we've gone through is wasted. Our ability to empathize with others comes from our first-hand experience with God's comfort, right? So the, the bottom line is we'll never know comfort without affliction. If we had no trials, there'd be no triumph. Now, now here's a picture I want you to see. Here's the living picture that I promised. I want you to, I want you to see this. This robe symbolizes hard times. Right? This robe symbolizes time. That's why I said it's not important. The load is not what weighs you down. It's how you carry it. This robe symbolizes suffering, struggles, when we doubt, when we waver, when we, when we you know, are, are questioning because we don't see how we're ever going to get past this. And then when, when God sees us through, when He comforts us, come, come here, Gretchen. When, when God sees us through, when He comforts us, when he, when he gets us through a hard time, then, then, then this, this robe, this struggle, I expected you to come over here, but that's, but that's all right. Let's go. This robe, this struggle, becomes a handle. Grab this. This struggle, this is my pain. This is my struggle. This is my... But when, when we overcome something, when we come through, when God comforts us, this, this struggle becomes a handle. don't. Um, Hector was straying away from the Lord and the spirit of this age, the immorality, the perversion, the enemy was seducing him and wooing him into the world. And I saw my son straying away and I saw rebellion rising up. Um, as many of you know, my family doesn't live here. I don't have any husband, but I have an eternal husband in heaven who comforts me through all my trials and helped me during that time. And when I saw my son straying away, there was a point where he had disappeared and the cops became involved. And in that police investigation, things were surfaced and I found out things about my son that I was like, is this my kid? You know, because I was doing all the right things. I was fasting, I was praying, I was coming to church, I was going to all the conferences, I was speaking in tongues, signs and wonders, oh my, dreams and visions. I was doing all the right things, and I thought I was doing, giving a good example towards my son, but apparently there was a war raging inside his heart. So he had the right behavior.
the deliverance. And I myself received deliverance from my own controlling behavior. So to the glory of God, he's uh, now an evangelist, a revivalist yeah. in Kansas City. For the glory of God. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Stay right there. So when we... When God comforts us and gets us through, because has anybody been here? Anybody been in this place where you, you want to curse your kid with a bat? Anybody? Like, we know. We know what that's like. Not me. I have two beautiful daughters and, who I never wanted to hit with a bat, ever. I, I repent. <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying, right? And so, but when God gets us through, when we come through the thing that we thought, man, we'll never get through. I'll never be able to, to, to get past this. Things, nothing's never going to change. And then God changes it. All of a sudden now, we have a handle. And that thing, that, that thing that God comforted us and got us through becomes a handle for us. And now, when I go through something else, I go back and I remember this load, this burden that I carried. And I said, no, this, is, this reminds me. To get a grip. Get a grip. This reminds me, I'm going to get a grip on this word. I'm going to get a grip on this promise that got me through so that I can get through the next thing and I can get through this thing. And then even more so, and this is where we become the body of Christ. This is where we become church. This is real church. Because now I'm struggling with something that she already has a handle for. And so I can grab a handle and pull myself through with her. Amen? Do, do you understand? There's a handle that we... Come on, Josh. There's a handle. <laughs> you guys knew what I was... Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> Praise God. I told him to make it loose. There's a lot of God in here. Um, I just want to share about a situation about financial in my family. If you don't know me, I got five kids, a wife, you know, like sometimes it could be like six kids. But um, it was a struggle just, you know, sometimes taking them to school and taking them to church because of finances. You know, as the kids grew older, that's more transportation now. You know, cabs are causing double cabs to get to church. Uh, thank God for the people that, you know, at, at times took us to church and took us home and stuff. But it was a struggle. We, you know, I would tell my kids, we would get in the train sometimes, and we were like, look, look, we live in the projects, you know, just go under. You know, just go under the train. They'll stand like deers looking at us like, you don't know already, just go under. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. They would stand there looking at me like, what, what do we do? Like, go under. But... You know, sometimes we had to walk. You know, sometimes we weren't able to make it to church. But I asked God, I said, Lord, when are you going to come through for me? You know, when, when, when is it our time to receive? You know, we pay tithes. We, you know, we give to people. We bless people. But we encourage other people and see them prosper. And I was like, when is it our turn? You know, when is it our time to be blessed? So um, I was asking God this. And uh, one thing he told me, he said, he said, I'm Jehovah Jireh. God, uh, God, your provider. You're not the provider. I'm the provider. You are to be a steward of what I give you. So I was like, all right, Lord, then give me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> give me. Like, how, how can I be a provider? Again? So the Lord said, 
the Lord said, I'm going to give you something, and in that, you make a way. So the Lord provided, you know, a sum of money for us, and when we did our research and looking for a car and stuff, we were discouraged. We went to the car dealership, and we were like, our hearts are beating, like, we're going to get rejected again. Every time I go to a, a store, and we want a credit card, I said, no, I don't like rejection. No, no, thank you. I've been but, there. Yeah, it happens a lot. But, you know, we went there, we did the research, went to the guy in the car, we looked at the car, it was nice and everything, and uh, the guy ends up telling us, oh, I'm sorry, we sold this to someone else. And uh, we was like, oh, we was devastated, we went home, but, you know, God gave us peace at that moment. As we were leaving the dealership, the guy says, look, maybe something else, we'll get another car for you or something, we'll work some deal out. He said, put his name on a card. And when we looked at the card, my wife, she noticed the guy's name. And she's like, who is this? Is this someone so-and-so that I, I knew? That, and the guy was like, oh, you don't know her. You don't know who he is. She ended up finding out the guy that, that is the manager of the, of the car dealership was like a close second family to her uh, growing up. She used to babysit his kids. And I think she injured one of his kids or something like that. But, yeah, he had a scar on his head. But, you know, the next day, the guy calls us. My wife is like, oh, my God, this is awesome. God's going to do this. Through all the disappointment, I was just like, look, this is going to be the, the great testimony or the, the, the best letdown ever. So as I get to the dealership, the next day, next day, the guy calls me. He says, hey, I know your, daughter, your wife, and I, she, used to, she used to be in my house when, you guys was, when she was young and stuff. He said, I just want to let you know that you got the car. Now, we, I don't have a job. My wife is making, like, she could work at McDonald's, at the, at the what she was getting. And I was like, how are we going to get this car? How, we, he's saying we got the car because he knows us, but let's see the process. We get to the process. Not only we approve, but out of our pockets, out of my wife's pocket for a job, and I don't have money, God gave, with the money he gave us, we were able to pay insurance. We were able to uh, uh, pay for the warranty. It will cover Amen. the car up. By next year, it will be paid up. Amen. And, um, you know, it was, I was just so amazed. Like, Lord, now we have a car, and it's not from, from our hand. And the Lord Amen. said, just to always remember like, if you want something to grab onto today, grab onto the fact that God is the provider. Yeah. You know, so many, yeah. in my old church, I remember they told me, like, I didn't have a job, and they were like, oh, you're an infidel. You know, the Bible says, you know, you know, I'm like, infidel? Jesus. I'm like, I just lost my job. But, but, but God is like, God told me, he's like, I'm your provider. We have to just be a good steward of what we get. Amen. And in that, we'll see the prosperity, we see blessing. So we got the Amen. car, and last Sunday, we in the car. And we're driving to go celebrate, you know. Who's <laughs> burning that car out? <laughs> but, but I get I get past the light and I see a family from the church, and I just my heart just went boom. You better make a U-turn. I made a U-turn, got it back. You know, we drove them home. We was able to share the testimony of what happened. Amen. But a guy was like, "Remember, remember you out there in the cold, the kids. Remember you Amen. hopping the train. You know, give them a ride." And I just it's just a blessing Amen. to me to know that God always provides. We pay your tithes, you know, sometimes things don't seem like they're happening, but we have to get in our mind that God is the provider, not us. Come on, come on. Stay right there. Fam, if we're going to grow, if this is going to be church, if we're going to mature, if this is going to be the body, you making jokes back there, bro? Come on. Come on. That was the exclamation point on the testimony. If we're going to be the church, if we're going to really mature, if we're going to really do this thing, we have to get a grip. Amen? 
You have to get a grip. You have to get a grip on your own testimonies. You have to get a grip on the times that God has met you. You have to get a grip then when you have none of that. Let's say, man, you're new. You just started coming to church and, and every, the car broke down. Everything happened. Cause that happens, amen? I don't know what it is. I think that's the enemy playing hopscotch, right? And by the way, I love that because that makes him look like such a punk, right? <laughs> I love that picture. <laughs> anyway. We're going to have to get a grip, amen, on the comfort of God. We're going to have to allow people. Come on, Pastor G. We're going to have to allow people and be vulnerable enough to, to, to let our challenges be handled. Amen. I haven't seen Josh get the last word yet in this world. I remember the first time Josh came to the church. He came to me and says, I've got five, five kids. What do I do? I say, five kids? Haven't you done enough? Okay. Man, you should stand there every time I come up. But what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to break a rule that I was given by a pastor years ago. When I became a pastor, he said, when you go before people, never let them see your weakness. Never show them what's going on inside. So I'm going to throw that advice down the toilet right now. Because what I've got to say is different than what they've said. Because, right, I've got many testimonies from the past. I could tell you hundreds of things God has done for me in the past. But that's not what I'm speaking about right now. My testimony right now is that I'm still standing. You you see, in the last few months, it's been a difficult time. A a year and a half ago, my wife was diagnosed with kidney failure. And since that time, she's been on dialysis three times a week. And that, and that causes a lot of times she comes home in pain, her arms swollen. Times she wakes up in the middle of the night screaming from cramps. And then just a few, two weeks ago, she fell down and broke her arm. In the midst of all of that, because of her disease, financially, I'm not, I haven't been able to travel which is where I made a great deal of the finances that I was getting in. Also, because she's been out so much, she's not able to work right now. And I have no idea where that portion of the income is going to come from. So my testimony for right now, I, I can't tell you about the healings. I believe I pray for healing. I've seen miracles. I believe it's God's will to heal. But we prayed and prayed and we haven't seen the breakthrough yet. Let, let me be honest with you right now. There are nights when I wake up startled, out of sleep, sweating, 
with, with all those things laying as, as a heavy burden. But let me, let me tell you, though, my testimony. My testimony is one day at a time. My testimony is I made it through yesterday. That I survived one more day in Matthew 6.34. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. But I'll confess to you, there are times, even I could be standing in the middle of worship, I, I can be putting on beautiful praise music in my house, and that's my mind starts to think about tomorrow. What's going to happen? What about that illness? What about the financial difficulties? All those things begin to weigh in. Even in a few months ago, it looked like everything was starting to move ahead. All of a sudden, things were coming together. A few weeks later, everything seemed like it's falling apart. A lot of times people come to me and say, how much time do I have to spend with God? I want to tell you that if I didn't spend time with God every day, I wouldn't make it through one day. See, just about a week ago, I was just sitting. I just put on worship music, and I just soak myself in it. But while I'm listening to this beautiful music, my mind is just filled. I'm not listening to a word that they're singing. My mind is just focused on all the worst scenarios, the most horrible things could happen. And here's my testimony. Right in the middle of that, all of a sudden, the worship leader began, began to sing. Be still and know that I am God. And right in the midst of that, all the depression, all the darkness began to be broken off. See, see there are people, I get emails from people. Facebook is famous for this. Uh, I get all this stuff. Well, I don't know if this God stuff is really for me because I've been praying and I've been going through a hard time. And God, it's been a few months. God hasn't answered my prayers. So maybe this isn't for me. Maybe you're not going to see me anymore. Well, you know what? I've determined in my heart that if I die, I die. If it costs me everything, if I end up with nothing, I'm still going to be standing. I'm still going to be worshiping. I'm going to serve Him to the end. And do you know why? This past Friday night, in our discipleship class, Sarah brought a teaching about the faithfulness of God. And I want to tell you that God has been faithful through it all. When I saw nothing, when, when, when my mind couldn't believe for a second, as Pastor George said, I'm standing here preaching faith sometimes. And, and my mind can't see past the difficulty and the problem. God has been faithful. Yes. Faithful through the storm, through the hard times, through the difficult yes. times. 
I, I, I just remember years ago, I went through the hardest thing in my life. And you know what I said? I said, God, that's it. I'm done. I walked out in the street, and I took a few steps. I was walking with my daughter. She was young then. And I said, that's it, God. I quit. And I just stood there in the street. I said, I'm not taking no more steps. This, this life is too hard. And you know what my daughter did? She took my hand and she pulled and she said, come on, let's go. And that's how I made it through. It's been, that's what the grace of God looks like in my life. When I can't take another step. Come on, one more step, one more day. And that's why in the midst of everything I can dance, I can rejoice in the Lord because I know that He's good. And I know His promises are true. And, and, and He's never failed me yet. So I, I just want to read a psalm. And, and the, I'm not reading this to preach to you. I'm not preaching right now. This is the psalm that's brought me through many a difficult day. Psalm 124. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let is all Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side? When people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And, th and that's what I can give you today. God has been on my side. I have made it through horrible, abusive situations. Times when I thought I was going to be homeless. Times when I wanted to quit and give up. And God has been on my side through it all. He's kept my I'm not sir, still serving him today because I'm any spiritual giant. He has kept me. He's brought me through. And I, I just praise him today for that. See, I've got, I've got a reason to worship. I've got a reason to praise him. And, and I believe today there, there are many of you here. You're going through a hard situation. Where David, King David, he lost everything. 
and people were, were after him. They were all angry at him. And the Bible said that David strengthened himself in the Lord. He stood alone. But there's something better than that. And that's the picture that you see here right now. It's the body of Christ standing together, pulling each other up. You are not alone. So I want to invite those in the prayer team to come up right now, especially those who work with the inner healing team. I'm going to ask you to get up and come quickly. But everyone else, if you're on the prayer team, if you're a, if you're a singer in the worship team, we need you right now. Because I, I believe that we're going to see an example of authentic Christianity. So I, I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. If you're on the prayer team, and you need prayer, then you be the first to get it before you pray for someone else. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not praying for no one. I, I need prayer today. I, I'm, going, I'm going to get ministered to. I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to be embarrassed by my need. And, I, and you shouldn't be either. 